theyeshiva.net. One sixty-nine, yeah, Matis. We'll continue. Believe that we'll be able to uh, complete here the Constantinian. We'll start from the parentheses. Um, uh, yeah, Parshas Matos, Hey, column one, page one sixty-nine. You see, so it's the first column. Maybe like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve lines from the bottom. The line starts Kolha Isurim Vahakishurim, Ashikrasis Israeli Asurukshura, and the next line has a parenthesis. Okay? So now I'm just gonna repeat these few lines that we that we did, but I just want to repeat it so we'll sum up the second half of the theme of the Maimer that we also discussed in the previous year. It says Vizel Shakosov, the line starts with Yamov, Khuli per end of parentheses. Vizel Shakosov. This is the meaning of the Pasuk in Matas. V'shama avia esnidra. When her father hears about her neder, his daughter's neder, so he has the ability, he has the power to annul the promise, the neder. And the Pasuk says, this, she, she carries no burden of responsibility to implement her neder. Why? Because heini avia isa. Her father dissuaded her, or influenced her, uh, not dis, uh, um, I guess dissuaded her from the nether, or persuaded her to get rid of the nether. Her father removed, eliminated the nether for her. That's what the Pasuk says. So now this is, this is pshat. What does it represent? Like every Pasuk and every mitzvah, there's also what it represents symbolically, emotionally, metaphysically, spiritually, and psychologically. So he says as follows. Ha'av meifedes ha'nether. The father annuls, undoes the net. Ki, mipchines averabe. Father embodies infinite. Averabe means not just regular love, but infinite love, excessive love, abundant love. Like we say in the morning, according to some of the nuschayis, averabe. Right? There's two ways of saying it: avas oylem or averabe. So Toysvus and Brachas makes the Pshara to say in the morning one and the evening others. So usually in Nusach Svar they say both times Avas Oilam, but some in Nusach Ashkenaz they say Avarabba and then at night Avas Oilam. So the word Avarabba means tremendous love, excessive love. Mepchinis Avarabba who mefer kitargumai mevatel. The Targum says what's mefer? Obliterates, mevatel, nullifies. Kolho isurim vahakishurim. This is how he touches Nadarim. All the noddings, the knots. Isurim. Isurim here doesn't mean prohibitions. Isurim here means from the word Asur, like Besa Asurim, confinements. And the word Asur means that. Asur really doesn't mean forbidden. The word Asur in Hebrew means Matir Asurim. He unties those who are bound, those who are chained. That's why it's called Asur, because I'm bound, I cannot do it. I'm, so to speak, in shackles. On a deeper level, the reason something is called Asur is because that thing is bound up. Something that's usur, I cannot elevate. I cannot reveal the godly spark in it. Something that's mutter, a fruit or a piece of food that's mutter, for example. Mutter means it's untied. What does it mean it's untied? This is what the Tanya says. The divine spark in it is not locked. It's unlocked. It's untied. In other words, I can extricate it. I could sublimate it. Something that's usur, the object is bound up, meaning the divinity is, so to speak, bound up. It's trapped. The angel is trapped in the marble. So therefore, I cannot extricate it. So the Torah says, don't eat it. So usur, 
Alpipshat means I am bound. I am bound. Alpinister it means the object is bound. Here he's using it as a symbolic idea. The person is bound up. Kala isurim, all the shackles, all the chains that knot you, the kishurim, you're tied up, you're knotted. Asher knesses Yisrael, he that the community of Israel, represented by the daughter, not just the individual daughter, Klal Yisrael is called Hashem's daughter. They are bound up, they're often knotted. They are knotted, they're, they feel tied. Ve'en the prisoner, the Gemara says, cannot untie him, un, un, cannot matiratzmoi, uh, cannot undo, cannot free himself. Kiim, who does he need? He needs Aide Midas There's only one way to get the Chavush outside of Beis Asurim, and that is through the attribute of Averab, of tremendous love. And that's what Avia represents. That's the Pchina represented by Avia. Not just talking about a biological father. The father represents enormous, enormous flow, an enormous experience and emotion of love towards the daughter. And that is the issue. The moment you have a father involved, now we're not worried about the nether. The father can help her undo the nether. Why? Because through the midah of Avarabba, through the tremendous love, the prisoner could get out of Beis Hasurim. And this is the Nikud of the Hasbur that we have been explaining. That the only way one can get out of the shackles is not by telling them that they have chains. And not even by telling them how horrible the chains are. And not by telling them that they have to get out of the chains but by rather allowing them to feel more powerful than their chains. Allowing a person to feel more powerful than their chains, more powerful than their desperation, more powerful than their hopelessness, more powerful than their doubts, uncertainty, despair. How can I make a person feel more powerful when they feel the value within themselves and the dignity within themselves as a result of the ava that they're experiencing from their father? The inyan ha'isurim, what is what are these isurim that we're talking about? These these knots that the soul is knotted is knotted by is confined by. Yeshloimar the Hainu Chlishas Koyachanefesh. You see clearly he articulates what he what I've been saying. It means that the Koyachanefesh feels weak. The power power of the soul is infinite, but the person may experience that the soul is weak. And when you're weak Naturally, you're tied up. You feel confined. You feel inhibited. You feel limited. You don't have the creative freedom to explore, to transform, to soar, to fly. The kayach is weak. A person is weak. Weak mentally or weak physically or weak emotionally or weak spiritually. They're lethargic. They're heavy. On a mental level, they're just heavy. She does not, she lacks the power, the stamina and the vigor to go out of Narteka. Narteka is the the Nartik, the it's like Nartik. It's case. It's case. It's, case. it's, it's, uh, it's very good. The Nartik Hashemesh. Yeah. It's basically it's encased. A Nartik can even be like a wallet, something that encases something, a box that encases something. So she is like encased in something, and it's boxed in, literally boxed in. She can't get out of it. Uma asara of her prison. And when somebody's in that nartik, they, they just can't get in. I once heard a vart. I don't know the original source. It's a very good vart. In Balak, we see that there's different terms for curses. There's the famous term klala. Klala, right? There is arur. arur. But then there's also, Balak tells Bilam. 
from the word kava, kuf vezhe, makaba lekabe kale. In other words, it's another concept of klola. And what's the root? The root of it is very strange. So uh, uh, um, uh, Lavan tells uh, Lavan tells Yaakov, nakva alai scharcha v'etena. Nakva alai scharcha v'etena means establish, set apart, set aside, or uh, determine what your wages, and I'll give it to you. Sometimes the greatest curse is when we decide and we establish who we are and who we're not. We put ourselves into a box. That's the idea of kava. You define, this is who I am and this is who I'm not. This is what I'm capable of, this is what I'm not capable of. My marriage will forever be miserable. My relationship with my kids will never be good. I will never be able to be successful. I'll never be able to trend. I'll never be able to be a not angry person. I'll never be able to be this. I'll never be able to be that. Whatever it is, a person puts themselves in to a fixed situation, a nartik. Yaakov hadin esahar. This is what it is. And as a result of that, it's really the person remains in that box. So the soul is weak. It cannot get out of the miser. This is Chumri, it's The biggest prison for it is the bruteness. Chumri is the bruteness of the body and the animal soul, which on a spiritual level can sometimes completely eclipse what exists in Anushama. This prison is explained elsewhere in another discourse, which begins with the words "Yisrael." was explained. The Torah gives the power to the soul to nullify, to obliterate these knots. Elsewhere, it's explained that if you learned Hilchas Trefus, you know, there's a concept called Sircha. We all know there's something called Glad Kosher. <laughs> What's Glad Kosher? So I saw once a pizza shop and it had a sign on it, Glad Kosher. It was very humorous because the person thought Glad Kosher means it's extra kosher. So why not put on a pizza shop the words Glad Kosher? Of course, the very word Glad Kosher could only refer to deli, not dairy, because Glad represents the concept called a Sircha. Sircha means, uh, in English, it's called an adhesion. Basically, let's take a sirchas hareya, adhesion of the lungs. If there's a, when the, the shaykh checks out the animal and he sees that there's a part of the lung, right? A little strip of the lung that goes over and it connects. It's, it has an adhesion. It's connected to another part of the lung. So the question is, what caused it to grow? Or what's under that? So sometimes you rub it a little bit with your finger. You rub it with your finger and it's glot. It's smooth. There's no sirchas. So that's glot. It's completely smooth. The problem, if it's not smooth, how do you deal with it? So that's Pashat and Halach. Now you have in Raya Mehemna, which is a section of the Zoyar, he calls Sircha Kishurim. Basically, you're knotted up. You're not glot. You have a person who's glot. Glot means you're smooth. You're just smooth. You are what you are. But what happens if I'm entangled? I'm full of knots. You ever meet a person who's full of knots? Everything is knotted. There's nothing that's smooth. Everything is entangled and enmeshed and obscured and confused and connected with somebody else and something else. It's like almost you could you could see a, a face that's full of knots or a system that's full of knots. That's called sirchus. So the Raya Mehemna says, "Hanefesh mistabeches behem." The soul mistabeches. Mistabeches means it gets uh, entangled in them. You know where the word comes, right? Vehine ayil acher nechaz basvach bekarnov. The isle and its horns, it was caught up in the thicket. 
in the thicket of the bushes. So it became misubach. You'll say, this is a sugya misubeches. It's a complicated, nuanced, complex sugya. You go in and you don't come out. It's a maze. You get stuck. So some people's lives are like mazes. They themselves get stuck. You go in one way, you get lost. You don't know where you're coming out. There's nothing glot. Everything is entangled. A regular telephone conversation is already entangled. So this is the concept of sirchus. So basically, with the sircha, you can't fly because you're not it. Imagine a, a bird, literally a bird, and the wings of the bird are tied to a rock, and the bird is trying to soar, but it can't. That's called a sircha. So the soul is a bird. The soul was destined to fly. But if the soul has sirchas, if the soul has a bunch of ropes that hold it down, it can't fly. It doesn't even know that it's capable of flying. <coughs> so it can't go up. And this is explained in the Maschal Pirush Aposik, Mikel Kamach. Vyesh Loimar, you could say, here, a Gewaldike Chiddush. Shahfadas Nedarim Biyoyma Kippurim. This is the secret of nullifying the Nedarim on Yim Kippur. I know what this means is, Shahideh HaTshuva. What Shuvah is supposed to accomplish is obliterating and nullifying, eliminating all the knots, all the nadorim. By revealing the tremendous love of the soul, the tremendous love of the neshama, of the neshama has to Hashem, and that Hashem has to the neshama, and by revealing that love of the Father, which happens on Yom Kippur, what's the first thing you do on Yom Kippur? It is you nullify all the Nadar. And here we get a uh, extra, extraordinary insight with something that would seem quite perplexing. You'll ask a Jew, "What's the holiest tefillah of the year?" And every Jew will say, "Kol Nidre." And even Jews who show up or never show up to anything, but Kol Nidre, there is a feeling that people who are not around the whole year, they show up for Kol Nidre. What makes Kol Nidre the holiest filler of the year? So generally most will understand because it's the beginning of Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year, and this is the, the entrance into Yom Kippur. But Kol Nidre is called the holiest filler. Why do we do Kol Nidre in the beginning of Yom Kippur? Really, it's not part of the filler of Yom Kippur. After Kol Nidre, we're going to make a Shechianu. After Kol Nidre, you start Mairiv, and then there's different piyutim, you know, Yalu Tachrenenu, the other piyutim, and then you finish with Aleinu. Kol Nidre essentially is not part of the genre or of the experience of Yom Kippur. It doesn't talk about Shuvah, it doesn't, it's not a Davin. What is Kol Nidre essentially? Kol Nidre is a statement. Kol Nidre Basically you say, all of the pledges, all of the oaths, all of the promises, all of the commitments. Any pledge and promise and oath and acceptance and yoke that I accept on myself from this Yom Kippur till the next Yom Kippur. So what am I asking? I'm, I'm making a declaration. And the declaration is that everything should be shvikin, shvisim, ptelin, mevultalin, lashirin, velakayim, should all be obliterated and nullified. My promises are not promises. My prohibitions that I prohibit on myself are not prohibitions. My oaths are not oaths. We come to see Yom Kippur. So the Rishonim talk about this. It's not a Pashatah thing. This is a complicated sugi in Allah. The Torah and other Rishonim, it's, it's a complicated sugi. Some people, some of us were even against it. But the point is that the Chazal, Hatarist, Nidarim are a serious issue. 
What's the best time to make Hataris Nadarim? When everybody is in Shul, because then you include everybody. When is the time that people are most frequently in Shul? Yom Kippur. So that's why they instituted that before the year starts, obliterate all the Nadarim. Now some used to say called Nidre on the past Nadarim. Nadarim of the previous year. And Rabbi Tam came out against it, so most Nuschayas called Nidre changed to the future. So basically what I'm saying is, that if I promise you in the middle of January, if I make a promise that I'm going to give you XYZ, don't take it seriously. I already obliterated it on Yom Kippur. If I make a promise, no more cheesecake, and I'm starting a diet tomorrow after the Bar Mitzvah, don't take it seriously. So even if I don't say, Bli neder, already Yom Kippur, I already said, it doesn't mean anything. It's not a neder. It's an, and that way, nobody is nichshel in the Isur of Layachal Dvaray. Why? Because they already obliterated it. So why Yom Kippur? Because everybody comes to Shul. That's why we do it the first thing on Yom Kippur. Why is that the first thing? Because you're not supposed to do Ataris Nadorim on Shabbos and Yom Tif. Yom Kippur is Shabbos. So therefore you do it before Shabbos. Usually you're supposed to start Kol Nidre before sunset. The problem is usually the appeal takes too long and the sermon takes even longer. So some people do Kol Nidre very late. Okay, so but the evidence it's fine. But Kol Nidre is supposed to be said before Shkia because you're supposed to do Afaris Nadorim before Yom Kippur. So here you have an interesting phenomenon. Yom Kippur really came into Yom Kippur, Kol Nidre came into Yom Kippur really from the back door. It's not part of Yom Kippur, it's not connected to Yom Kippur. And nonetheless, somehow everything gets has mazel. Aleinu has the mazel that is at the end of davening. Nobody, people say it on the way out. Kol Nidre, which is almost incidental, made it as a, into the beginning of Yom Kippur. And some people only stay for Kol Nidre, they leave. <laughs> there's no tefillah, there's no bakosha. Then you have what's even stranger is the melody of him of Kol Nidre. As I said in another shir, the melody of Kol Nidre is everybody knows is a heart stirring melody. And most people, it's good that they don't understand what Kol Nidre means because it's Aramaic. But if you'll take an English machzer and you'll try to study and read the words while you're doing the melody, any normal person will be quite perturbed by what in the world is the connection between this heart stirring, impassioned melody that has ripped the Jewish heart apart for millennia and, and, and gave it this sense of mystique and mystery, the aura of Yom Kippur and you're reading the lyrics and you don't know what the connection is. So some associated with the fact that uh, Kol Nidre came to represent the Spanish uh, Anusim, the Spanish Jews who uh, en masse converted to Christianity during the 1300s and the 1400s as a result of uh, the Christian conquest of Spain, the Muranos, and uh, the Anusim. Anusim is probably a better word. And, uh, and they were, of course, Christians their whole life, uh, the, the whole year, but they used to uh, celebrate Judaism in private. And many were burnt on the stake when the Inquisition uh, tortured them and, and murdered and, 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 and burnt them and so forth. So we say in the beginning of before Kalnid al Dasa Makam al Dasa Kalbi, Shiva Shalmalabi, Shiva Shaman, on a materialist We allowed us to join Tfila even with Jews who are transgressors. So Kol Nidre came for them to represent that the promise they made to the church, that they're Catholics, that they're loyal Christians, the promise means nothing, because really they're Jews. That would explain some of the emotion embedded in Kol Nidre, because it's not just a legal formula about the promises I'm going to make to you about cheesecake, or about going on a diet, or about not doing this, or doing that, or spending time with my kids every night, <laughs> and all those beautiful promises, but it rather touches a very sore moment in Jewish history, because there weren't only a few Jewish converts, uh, according to uh, 
Prime Minister Netanyahu's father, Bensia Netanyahu, who wrote excessively on it. There's some who say that there are close to 600,000 Jews who, uh, who left uh, Judaism in order to avoid uh, death and persecution. So those are huge numbers. You also had a few hundred thousand Jews who left on Tisha B'Av, 1492. Okay. But it's still, it's still difficult. And here, and here, it's really a tremendous revelation that the Balatanya reveals that Kol Nidre actually captures Yom Kippur. It captures the essence of Yom Kippur. And otherwise, it's really hard to understand. I mean, uh, you'll, uh, you'll just, just, uh, uh, just to illustrate it and visualize it. Okay, I want you to think about it in such ter- in these terms, so you'll appreciate what he's saying. Take the last words of Kol Nidre. Now take the song of Kol Nidre and put it to these words and do it in English. Not only is it strange, it almost seems uh, absurd and beyond absurd. Okay, imagine somebody comes up to you. My promises are no promises. I... And my pledges are no pledges. And my oaths are no oaths. Wow. <laughs> this is the whole Kondidre. And then how it starts. All my promises and all my pledges. Lost it in their null and they non-existent. So you're getting up, basically, and saying, Don't take my words at all seriously. I don't mean what I say. Even when I say it, I don't mean it. Okay, maybe it's a good thing to do. But let's put it in proportions. So the emphasis is that here, we're zoiche to have a whole new, deeper hashkaf of what Kondidre is. Essentially, Kondidre is Yem Kippur. It's the essence of Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur is a day of, of transformation. And the prerequisite to all transformation is to get rid of your knots. To get rid of the oaths that you make to yourself more than anybody else about what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. Every one of us lives in a nether. It's not a nether of a promise I make I won't do this. It's an existential nether. Basically, I feel bound... Ask yourself, what are the ten most paralyzing factors in your life? What are your knots? One, two, three, four, five, six. Imagine if you had absolutely no limitations, and no fears, and no baggage, and no pekelach, and no history, and no difficulty with this person or that person, and no shame, whatever it is. What would you be doing different? How would your life be different? Every person has their nadarim, and those nadarim are defining. They literally clip our wings. They don't, as he says, they don't let you fly. They're sirchis. They simply clip your wings. They tie down your wings. You can't fly. What's Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is the day that the Jew experiences or can experience the infinite love of the father to the daughter, the tremendous love of Hashem to the Jew. And when you can experience that love, in other words, you can feel your own infinity, your own dignity, your own value. The first thing you say is, Now listen, Now it makes sense. All my promises to myself, what I could never be, or what I could never do. All the oaths, if you would ask me, 
on a regular day, do you know yourself? We say, yeah. Can you swear that you know yourself? Yeah. So tell me who you are, and you tell me who you are, if you trust me, or your therapist, whoever you tell who you are. And your therapist says, swear that this is who you are. And you swear that this is who you are. And suddenly Yom Kippur comes, to, Yom Kippur comes, and you look in the mirror existentially, and you say, there's so much more to me. There's so much more to me. So what's the first thing you have to do? You have to undo your own oaths. Your own shavua about who you are, who you could be, who you will be. Another Yom Kippur comes and bites the dust. Another year comes and bites the dust. Those oaths for the whole year you're going to make. Because Yom Kippur, it's easy, you're on a high, you know, you're fasting. It's, but the day after Yom Kippur, the day after Tishrei, it's all over. So you say, Yom Kippurim till the next Yom Kippur. Every day I'm going to make a nether. I'm this, I'm that, I'm not that, I'm not that. My wife is this, my wife is that, my kids are this. I have this psyche, I have this mindset. Every person. Again, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. You don't recognize the infinity of your neshama. The koyech that exists in your soul. The chelik Why? Because it's encased, it's eclipsed. There's a shell around it. And therefore it's bound up. So on Yom Kippur I say, till the next Yom Kippur... Don't take my nadarim seriously. <laughs> I'm going to make them. I will find excuses for everything because there's something beautiful in being paralyzed. Because <laughs> then I could blame everybody else. There's something nice about being a victim. Let's face it. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I could be a prisoner. There's something beautiful about being an emotional prisoner. You say it's your wife, your shviger, your rebbe, your community, your this, your that. Of course you're a victim, you're a prisoner. The moment you recognize your power, now suddenly you take responsibility for your life. Who wants to do that? <laughs> Who wants to take responsibility for their life? It's always easier to pass the buck and say it's everybody else's fault. So I say, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to do it. But Yom Kippur, I'm a vatl. That's what he says. So Yom Kippur, hafaris nadarim Yom Kippur is because the tshuva of Yom Kippur is mavatl all the knots. Hatshuva is... Through tshuva, you have the bitl of all the knots. That's what tshuva means. Return. Return to your true self. Transformation. Interesting halach on Yom Kippur. V'lova shakoyen midei v'adu michnei sevat. V'rochas is psori. He takes off the begodim. The Pesach says, V'hinicham, he places him. So the Gemara learns out of Masech Yuma that a koyen is not allowed to use the begodim, that a koyen gadol, the begodim that he used one Yom Kippur, is not allowed to use the next Yom Kippur. Now it's a fascinating halach. Regular gadim of a kohen gadol that he used every day, he could use for years until they uh, until they decay. He could uh-huh. use them. The gadim of Yom Kippur used once a year. Why? Why? Why baltashchus? Use them the next Yom Kippur. Put them away. Use them. No, the halach is every year he has to use the new gadim. So the pshat is it was it represents something. Yom Kippur is a time of newness. You don't come with old baggage. You don't come with old garments. You don't say, these are my God, and this is how I dress. It's a new, it's a new Yom Kippur. So tshuva allows you to obliterate all the nadorim, and that's why, he says, it brings forth the gilu ha'avad abash The tremendous love that exists in the soul, and the love that exists from Hashem to the soul. And when the daughter feels her father's love, then the nadorim go away. That's the secret of kol nidre. And that's a very profound experience that a Jew has in the beginning of Yom Kippur, and it really encapsulates all Yom Kippur. Everything in Yom Kippur is an outgrowth of Kol Nidre. Now the melody and the lyrics not only match, but they're reflective of each other. They mirror each other. Huh? 
There's another nekud in the father nullifying the neder. The Zoya speaks about a time that you go to take the food from Tati and not from Mami. Usually food comes from Mami. That's where you get the good stuff. But there's a time you go to father and not to mother. So it explains, Father is represented by Chachma. Mother is represented by Bina. Father contributes the seed and mother develops the seed. Chachma is the seminal spark of wisdom, and Bina is the development. He says, From Bina and Das, Mami, From here you have the power to subdue unholiness. From the word Koifa. This is what it says in Pirkei Nedarim are a good thing, because they're a Syag, they're a friends for Precious. If you want to stay away from certain things, it's good to make a nether. Like a nozik. Avalius is But to nullify the nether means you transform darkness into light. You don't stay away from it, you engage it. This can't happen from Bina. Shemina dinin misarin. From Bina we say in Kagavna, we say in Zoyar. From Bina comes dinin, stern judgment. Elamibchinis chachme love. Here you have to go to chachma. Chachma, the Pasik says in Mishle, Chachma techaye ba'aleha, Shleim HaMelech says, Chachma gives life, V'u'abitl shalomayla me'asag avadas, this is the oneness that transcends intellectual comprehension, V'zehu sha'av meifiru ma'apich ha'shaych l'nohar. There's two stages in life. There's the stage when you make a neder, and there's the stage when you do a taras nadar. Neder is a good thing, but it represents weakness. I stay away. Why? Because I can't engage you. That's what a nether is. A nether is, I'm not touching this. Why am I not touching it? Because if I touch it, it's dangerous. And that's an important stage in life. But then there's a deeper stage in life. And that is, you don't have to run away, but you can transform. And it's two different stages in life. Sometimes you have to run away. And sometimes you're healthy enough to be able to face it and confront it and use it in a positive way. So nedarim is stage one. Hafaras nedarim, bitl nedarim is stage two. That the person is ready to come back and face the world rather than run away from it. You don't have to go into isolation. You don't have to segregate from all Gashmis. You don't have to say the world is a tray for place. I'm not touching it. When you're an addict, you have to. Because if not, you're going to fall. But when you are in a, in a powerful state, and you have to know that you're in a powerful state, now you could do something deeper. And that's mother and father. In, in, basically, in Avodah Hashem, this is the difference between the state of Bina and the state of Chachma. In the state of Chachma, there is a deeper sense of oneness with the divine, and therefore the person could transform the darkness. That's why the father representing Chachma could be Mahapach Nidra. But the Pasuk says he first hears about the Neder. He doesn't just nullify it. First he has to hear the Neder. And then he could nullify it. In other words, only when a person has the courage to do a skafia can they then reach the state of his hapach. If a person thinks that they're right away going to transform, they may fall prey to it. Only when he could first hear the nether. In other words, appreciate the value of the nether. Then there could be stage B, when the state of the father is revealed, and this hapach ha-shaychel And this is also part of Yom Kippur, that Yom Kippur, a person essentially is segregated from the world, but nonetheless, Yom Kippur creates the power of a Shama, of V.S. Nidra. There could be the revelation of Chachma at the end of Yom Kippur, Ne'ilam, which then brings a person into Sukkot and so forth, where the ultimate Kavana is not 
only disengagement, but the ultimate kavanah is to go back. We see the Mishnah says at the end of Yuma, uh, in the Yuma that the Kohen Gadol used to go home at Soyim Kippur. And he used to make a yomtif, but b'shalom in a kodesh. He used to go home and make a yomtif. And the Rambam brings in Hilchas Avodah Yisema Kippurim that the Kohen Gadol used to go home after the Avodah. Mafarshim say, why does the Rambam bring it? What's the halacha? There's no halacha here. What's the halach? He goes up. Where should he go? The bowling alley? Where should he go? Mitzah Yim Kippur. Pshat is, that's the halacha. The halacha is, from Yim Kippur you have to go home. Because from Nidarim you go to a deeper level, which is Hafaris Nidarim. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.